Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. For a few minutes. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, the, for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it, with you, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so many of you have probably heard this passage before. It's often read before we, read communion, uh, before we take communion. And it's Jesus having this uh, last supper. If you've done any traveling or you're into art, you've seen the picture of Jesus and his disciples lounging around, um, eating grapes and wine and bread. But really, I think more than anything, this picture, this uh, scripture gives us a wonderful picture of what community, Christian community looks like. Um, and it's interesting because if you study First, we don't have time this morning, but if you study First Corinthians 10, this is where Paul is talking about the Last Supper. And Paul actually gives this very strong exegesis. He, he explains the Last Supper. He explains it in terms of community. Like he says to the people, listen, your church is messed up, and the reason it's messed up is because you don't care about each other enough, and you, you haven't done community well enough. And so he, he actually ties this idea of the Last Supper to community. I, I just want to quickly uh, today show you from the scripture what does true community look like? Because I think this is the question that, um, I think it's the question our world is asking. So this year, in the year 2019, highest levels of suicide that the world has ever seen. Highest levels of hopelessness in young people. Highest levels of disconnectedness, social disconnectedness in our entire world. And I think the world is asking this question, what does true community look like? Is it just mean that we like give each other a high five and it's like five seconds of like, hey, how are you? And then we always reply with, fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Is, is that what true community is? I think this scripture teaches us though what real community looks like, and I think it should challenge each of us to ask ourselves the question, am I living in the true community that God's called me to? The first thing that the scripture teaches is that true community embodies intentionality. True community doesn't just happen, it is the result of preparation and obedience. 
so it's interesting to me that um, that Jesus and the disciples had to like go and like work out where they were going to have the Passover. You ever thought about that? It's kind of weird, right? Because he was Jesus. He was the one that put like dirt on people's eyes and they were healed. And he was the one that like touched people and they like they were dead and now, then now they weren't. But like he had to like work out like reservations for his Passover meal. Some of you, like, it's hard for you to, like, work out a coffee date with somebody. I couldn't possibly do that. I'm too busy. Have you ever done this with somebody before? Like, hey, so good to see you. We should get together. Yeah, we really should. All right. Great. Have a good week. And then you go home, and on Tuesday, after you've watched your 45th rerun of CSI, you think to yourself, I don't even know if you can watch that in rerun anymore. If not, somebody should make that happen. But anyways, um, and then you go home and you're like, my church is such a lonely place to be. Nobody even cares about me. I haven't been there for three weeks. Nobody's called me. Nobody's had a prophetic word for me. I didn't get a note in my mailbox saying, where were you? True community, listen to me. This scripture teaches us this. True community takes work. If it took work for Jesus, if he had to say to the disciples, you're going to go find some guy who's got a donkey and you're going to go and like deal with that awkward conversation with like, hey, you got a donkey. I see that you got a donkey there. The guy who is like, Jesus told me to like, if you can read this in different parts of the gospels, it's it's definitely a weird conversation they had. Awkward. And some of you all, you're worried to go outside in that lobby and say to someone, hey, what's your group about? So embrace the awkwardness, because we must be intentional if we're going to be people of community, and that means stepping outside of ourselves and saying, I'm going to do this. Now listen, you might not even be doing it for you. Maybe you don't need, maybe you're, you don't need it, but somebody else needs you. Needs you, do you know, I was reminded a couple weeks ago, the church, this one and a half hour time, I say that with very strong to myself. This one and a half hour time that we have together, it's the only time during the week that you're not doing something for yourself. Do you know that? Because when you show up here, you're coming for God to worship him and you're coming for the other people who might need you to look at them in the eyes, who might need you. And like indirectly, yes, God blesses us when that happens. But if we can remember that and intentionality is about stepping out of our way, stepping out of our own way. The the second thing this scripture teaches us, uh, let me just Remind you of this too. The Bible tells us that for wherever two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. This is important for community. Some of you have felt like distant from God. You felt like God has been far away. I want to call you to intentional community. You want, you want to feel the tangible presence of God? Get with other people. That, that's going to make all the difference in the world for you. The Greek word for time. So the word time is used here, like this is the time for the Passover. It's the word kairos. And it actually means an exact, a decisive moment in the course of a history or an individual's lives. And the disciples, they follow Christ's instructions exactly. And everything works out as planned. Mark 14, 15 describes the place they prepare as a large upper room. Could it be that in your life, that this season would be a Kairos moment where God would say, this specifically is the time that you need to step into true community. 
but you got to get outside of yourself. I know some of you have been hurt, and I, I mean, I, we speak to this pretty much every week, but there's so many ways that we can hurt each other, isn't it true? It's ways that we hurt each other with our mouths and with our actions that we don't mean to. Can I just ask you to hope again, to lean in with intentionality again, and to believe that it could be a Kairos moment? The, the second thing we find in the scripture in this scripture is um, time. Do you ever find it funny that, okay, so this is the night before Jesus gets betrayed. Now, we know from history that the reclining on the tables was historical. That's how you sat to eat a meal, and I am suggesting we bring that back. Yeah. Uh, yes, I hear that. Seems a lot more comfortable to be at a couch. Can you imagine, like, having a meal of Cheetos at a couch, reclining? Praise the Lord. Okay, so, but... <clears throat> I was thinking about this this week. Okay, now, if you know, if you're Jesus, just for a minute, I want you to think about this. A few hours from now, you're going to take on the sins of the world. But it's a small little order. This is a small thing of business. Your best friend is, one of your best friends is going to betray you. And yet Jesus still has time to have a Passover meal with his friends. A lot of you have used the excuse, I, I would really like to be in community, but clearly you don't know how important I am because I'm so busy. Now, you don't say the important line. We don't, we don't ever admit that. But some of us, I would be in community, but I'm too busy. Listen, if Jesus, who was going to get betrayed and take on the sins of the world, he was going to die and be raised again from the dead in three Jesus had a pass. He could have said, hey, listen, y'all, I would love to have a Passover meal with you right now, but I really have to be interceding right now. I got to get prepared. I got I to get things from my journey to the cross. I got to do push-ups. I mean, there, there could have been a lot of excuses, but Jesus, if Jesus had time. Listen, and I'm saying this to myself. And let me just, can I just for a minute, I don't often do this, but let me just speak to every mom in the room for a second. I'm a mom of four kids, and, you know, I got teenagers and toddlers. Not, not exactly toddlers, but six still feels, you know, not a lot of sleeping through the night. So, you know, and I, I would like to say, and maybe to the dads, too, I don't, I don't, sometimes I'd like to say I don't have time. I'm just, I just need a little bit of me time. But what I recognize is that I'm a better person when I get people in my life who speak into my life and tell me the truth that I need to hear, people who are not afraid to, like, actually be a real friend. You don't have time not to have time. And I, I, I don't, I, listen, if you've said that, please don't hear this as chastisement. I'm saying it to myself. I think we have to get, the world needs to see a church that is really intentional about this idea of community. Time. If Jesus had time to spend with his friends, so should we. The third thing is this, um, accountability. This teaches us that true community requires accountability. Saying true things is not antithetical to the gospel. And if Jesus, so I love this, Jesus is having dinner and everything's working out perfect. There's been miracles and mans with donkeys giving big rooms. And then Jesus wrecks the whole thing by saying to, hey, listen, one of you is going to betray me. This is some nice dinner conversation, isn't it? It seems like Thanksgiving's coming up and you're having it with in-laws that you, you know, you know when you have those awkward, like, not, not my in-laws, they're wonderful, but <laughs> just in case you were thinking that, but uh, like, 
Just because you don't have perfection in your relationships doesn't mean that they're not worth it. And, and some of us, we have unrealistic view of what community is. Uh, a professor at Regent College would say it this way. He said, you don't have community until you've had conflict. There's no such thing as community without conflict. Because unless you have conflict, unless you, we get not afraid to tell each other the truth, then what we've got is fakery. And God's called us to community. And community requires that you and I tell each other the truth. And some of us, maybe we've um, been hurt and rejected. Maybe you've just felt like misunderstood. I, I want to call you again to not give up on community. Proverbs 27, 6 says, The kisses of an enemy may be profuse, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Some of you came today, and then you came in the door, and you thought this to yourself, Oh, small group Sunday. I'm going to get a cupcake, and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> you weren't planning on it, but I, I want to tell you that Gifty baked all those cupcakes for you this week. <laughs> yeah, she baked them all. Brenda did too. I'm giving you a shout out. But some of you thought that because you've been hurt, because you feel like you've been mis, um, I, like, like maybe misunderstood or maybe even not seen, and you just think, nah, I'm done. If Jesus needed community with people who were going to betray him, I want to say emphatically that you also need community. That it is what God has called you to. Fourth thing is this. Um, Jesus, the picture of Thanksgiving is very strong here. And we often think that it's Thanksgiving for um, the bread and the wine and the food. And yes, it was. But when you look at the Greek in this uh, particular passage, what you see here is that there is like thankfulness embedded in the text. Like Jesus says thanks three times in that text. He's not just thankful for bread and food, but actually for the people that surrounded the table. And I, I, I want to suggest this morning that often the difficulty of our, um, in our relationships and our lack of community happens when we lose thankfulness. When we lose thankfulness. When we get so focused on, I cannot believe that they did that. Or like, I just am so... When we focus on... Like, it's easy to focus on all the bad stuff. It's interesting that Jesus didn't like lay down and go, Come on, guys, I was with you for three years. I can't believe one of you is going to betray me and nobody, nobody's going to rise up right now. Like, do you ever, would you ever read this passage and think... How did Jesus tell Judas, it is so? He told them, yeah, you're the one who's going to betray me. And all the disciples didn't go wild. No wonder that. Like, in a few hours, Peter's going to cut off the ear of somebody. He's going to cut off the ear of a guard. Have you ever thought about that? How did Jesus do that? I, I think Jesus said it with tenderness and quietness. Maybe it's the only way you can wrestle out that text. Judas said, hey, is it me? Which is, like, hilarious because he knows it's him, Right? Was it me? And Jesus says, it is as you say it was. How come Peter didn't freak out, though? Because I think Jesus said it quiet to Judas. But in the middle of this, Judas is admitting, yeah, he's not admitting it, but Jesus knows that it's him. In the middle of this, Jesus is giving thanks all over the place. What? 
Like there are times where we all feel thankful, right? When you sit down for a Thanksgiving meal, thank God for turkey. When you uh, sit down, when your children all go to school on time like angels, thankful. When somebody gives you something, thankful. But generally speaking, as humans, we are not always so thankful when things are going terribly. I want to call you to that kind of thanksgiving. I want to call you to thanksgiving that says, God, even in the middle of this difficult time, I'm giving thanks to you because you are the one that has brought me to where I am today. And I'm so thankful for the people that you've placed in my path. Even though I'm not perfect and they're not perfect, we've got each other. We've got each other, right? And we have that when we decide. That's a decision. That's not a feeling. If you're waiting for the feeling of thankfulness to come to you, I got just the bad news is never going to come. Because Monday comes every week. Have you ever noticed that? Every week. It's weird. Um, last week, my dryer broke. And uh, yes, it's very sad. <laughs> and you know what? When you're like on a budget and you think to yourself, I didn't budget for my dryer, my three-year-old dryer to decide to break. How it broke, I'm going to tell you. I think one of my children hid in it and as a hide-and-seek place, right? So... I didn't tell you that yet, Dave. One of our children admitted it <laughs> last night. So the laundry is piling up. My children got sick this week, two of them, because, of course, they've gone back to school. They've got a little bit of cold. And so I'm, the sheets are piling up. My laundry's piling up. And I just, I didn't really feel like being very thankful. I just thought, I just, come on, come on. You know, you just have those moments. I know this is not a big deal, but I just felt the Holy Spirit on Thursday just say to me, now you just got to be thankful in the middle of this. I'm working things out in the middle of this. And so in that moment of prayer, and, and we were fasting, and I told you last week, I'm not a good faster. I'm a terrible faster. All I was thinking of was food the entire week food, and then the dryer not working. And I felt by Thursday, uh, I just. I'm done. Just want to lay down. I'm done. I just felt the Lord say, be thankful. Thankful for the friends I brought into your life. Be thankful for the things, the people. And you know, if you begin to physically say that, God, I'm so thankful. Something changes in the atmosphere. Nothing has to change in your circumstances, but things definitely begin to change. And this model of community that God, that Jesus lays out for us, he's like in the worst part of his life. He's saying, God, thanks for everything. We give thanks for that. Thank you. I want to call you to that kind of thankfulness. Thankful that we can meet together in homes, that we don't just meet here on Sundays, but that we can meet all throughout the week. There's hundreds of places in the world we can't do that. We act with thankfulness. And finally, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. This little uh, section on the back of this scripture is... Verse number 30, Jesus says, I'm going to die, and it's hard, and I'm not going to drink wine with you again until I drink it in my Father's kingdom. And then in verse 30, it says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It's a funny little verse. It's just kind of like on the end of it, and you kind of think, well, that was a nice little church service they had. They sang a song at the end, and they all went home. And when you do the research, though, what you find is that this was part of the Passover meal. Um, the meal always concluded the singing of a hymn, and they generally sang Psalm 113 to 118. I'd encourage you this week, if you have time, to look at Psalm 113 to 118. 
I, in the middle of my feelings of unthankfulness, opened up these scriptures and began to just sing them over myself. This 113 to 118 changed the atmosphere. Um, and it's probable that they, they were called the Hallel, and it's interesting that we sang that Hallelujah song this morning, because basically that's what those psalms do. They lift our eyes off here to here. And it was a requirement that the people who came up from Jerusalem um, to, to do this thing, they would sing this passage. When you look at the Old Testament, you look at the requirements of the people, you realize that God wasn't just putting requirements on them to put requirements on them. He was putting requirements on them because those requirements actually transformed their soul. As I was thinking about this in terms of community, I recognized this, that you can have lots of friends, but friends that you worship with is what changes things. Friends that you actually together say, God, we're going to lift our eyes to you. Changes everything, which is why I have people say, well, like, I don't really need a small group because I got lots of friends in my community and I'm like a hockey mom. So like I go to the hockey and I've got friends there. And yes, yes to all those friends. But yet you need Christian friends that you can worship with. You do because worshiping changes everything. And worshiping is not just about singing a song. It's about lifting our focus and our gaze to God. You need people who will help you do that because guess what? You're going to have moments in your life where it feels like your arms are a thousand pounds and you're going to need people that will lift up those arms, lift up your focus, lift up your focus to Jesus. I want to encourage you today. This is my encouragement that we would become people of true community, that we would be people of intentionality, get out of our own way, have the awkward conversation. We'd be people that take time. I know we're all busy. We're all busy. But we can't be busy. We're not busier than Jesus. You're just, just you can say that to yourself. I am not busier than Jesus. He was busier than me. And he still had dinner with his friends. And he reclined. And ate. And prepared a big meal. Like, if Jesus had time, you do too. And he wasn't afraid of accountability. Some of you have been hurt. And I... Listen, the pastor's heart inside of me says to you this morning, I am so sorry that you have been hurt. I am so sorry that people have let you down. I'm sorry if we've let you down. But the true test of community is that we push past that. It's not real community to go through things. So like if you've been hurt, just say thank, praise the Lord. Now I can have real community. You haven't been mad here at this church. Well, if you have been met, praise God, you've already gotten through that, so now you can have real community. Even sat in those chairs and think, if this service does not end right now, praise God, you can have real community now. And then, and then to give thanks. And just in this moment, we're going to just in this moment pray that God would help us to give thanks. That we get to do this. We get to, we get to have almost 30 small groups that we can choose from. That's a beautiful thing, no matter where you are in your life we would turn our, our focus to worship. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I believe that the presence of God is here because two or three of us are here, yes? And God wants to meet with you. Maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you see this idea of community 
You see, in some ways, this picture of community is a picture of our individual relationship with God as well. That he calls us to intentionality with him. That he calls us to spend time with him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where life has taken you, he actually calls us into accountability with him to say, we've all messed up. And Jesus, just like he quietly called to Judas, he quietly calls to you today. And today, I, I just believe that God wants to direct your attention to him. Let's get everybody just to close your eyes for a minute. We do this because I think our culture is always like frenetic, at a frenetic pace. Just as you close your eyes, would you just lock yourself in with the Lord just in this moment? Maybe you don't even know him. Maybe you've never heard his voice before. Today is your day. I believe that the Lord is going to speak to you right here in this place. God, would you give us ears to hear you now? A heart to understand. Some of you, right here, right now, God is calling you into relationship with him. And you know this because you can almost feel your heart going a bit faster. You hear the whispering of his voice. To share with you that the word that the voice of the Lord is never condemning. And it's never shameful. He always calls us in love. The Bible says that his kindness leads us to repentance. Right here, some of you are being called. It's the first time in a long time being called into relationship with God. Maybe the first time ever. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Jesus wants to come and make you a new creation today. For the sake of the person on your left and your right, can I just ask everybody to repeat this prayer? And if you're going to say this prayer for the first time like you've really meant it, I believe God is going to come and make you a new creation in Him today. We just pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I ask that you would forgive me cleanse me. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to welcome you to the family of God. And we believe, like the Bible says, that angels are rejoicing. Yeah. For the rest of us that are here, I, I want to call you to a new commitment uh, to community. That our lives wouldn't just look like um, people who like try to get golden stars from God. That we'd be committed to true community. Committed to being with one another, even when it's difficult to do. And as we, we're going to sing one last song, and then we're going to dismiss you. And I would encourage you, get in a small group. It's a great way, it's an easy way to have Christian community in your life. Sign up for one, eat a cupcake or two. And we're going to believe that God is not going to just take us from this. We're going to believe that God's going to take us from this big gathering uh, to small and powerful groups of people that fight for each other, that believe in each other when times are good and when times are difficult. Yes? Yes. Amen. Would you just lead us, Abel? Thank you. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.